Welcome back to a new episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac. Born and raised in Los Angeles, I'm now living in Zagreb and studying the Croatian language. Before we start, just do me a favor and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, as well as the Facebook and Instagram page. In this series, I'll be talking with people both in the homeland and around the globe who have connections to Croatia. We'll hear from startups, returning diaspora, musicians and athletes, and the biggest Croatian celebrities that will return my calls. But enough about me. Idem Moldalje, and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today's special guest is Steve Rukavina. Steve is a Croatian-American activist from Minnesota and co-founder of the National Federation of Croatian-Americans Cultural Foundation. He's involved with many projects, including the Croatian-American Sports Hall of Fame and the Croatian Special Olympics. In this episode, we're going to dive into some of these projects and learn about the impact on the global Croatian community. Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, Stanko, uh, my pleasure. And uh, I'm more than uh, glad or welcome the opportunity to to share more details about our National Federation of Croatian Americans, and which became the Cultural Foundation uh, in 2009. So I have uh, some nuanced details I can share about some wonderful humanitarian, uh, diplomatic, and also uh, cultural projects that we've been working on and uh, have been more involved with in the last 12 or 13 years after much more of a heavy emphasis on activities in Washington, D.C. in the diplomatic, uh, political, and lobbying world. Uh, that was our main focus for the first uh, 15 years. So, yes, uh, Sako, I must share with, with anybody who's listening that I'm just a proud Croatian-American like so many here in the USA. And I'm a second generation. And so, yeah, uh, Imam Hrvat Sertsi and my, my Lichan Rojak uh, through my dad, who was born in the U.S. too, just raised me or instilled in me a, just a real love for Croatia. And, you know, I visited when I was 17 and, and met 25 to 30 relatives on that trip. And I've just been very interested, involved, and a real activist for for a long, long time and was living in Washington, D.C. when the war broke out. And, and so that, that took my patriotism and activism uh, to another level. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember, just to go back to what you said about meeting all your relatives, you know, going to Croatia for the first time, what that experience was like for you? Was it sort of eye-opening? I mean, seeing, wow, I have all this family over here in, a, in another country. Well, it was, to me, uh, as a 17-year-old, just so uh, impactful and influential and inspiring. And my Croatian relatives on that first trip, they were all in Lika. But now when I've been going back since 1995, uh, the majority of my relatives now live in the Zagreb area, you know, or Dugasela. I have four second cousins in Spisic, Bukovica. But the lesson I always learned, or you just felt when you're with them. And I was over there with my dad eight times and Yosef Rukavina Moyotats spoke perfect Croatian, knew 101 songs because of his uh, 80 years with the Croatian Fraternal Union. Um, it, it was just a real lesson to see how our relatives appreciated us. And for them, it was, it's always been like 
God family and, and then education. And to them, it really didn't matter who was in power uh, over Croatia. Uh, they had a life to lead and just so, so focused on family and faith. Uh, you know, all my relatives, and they all survived communism uh, in different ways, but never lost their faith, I think, uh, or their compass or guide to having the right values. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then it sounds like growing up for you in the U.S., you were, you know, a part of that Croatian community. Your dad was instilling some of those values or, I mean, was there a community you said you were born and raised in Minnesota? Uh, yes. And, and I have to say, uh, and many people will say this, you know, my dad was the number one activist, you know, from, uh, you know, the 1950s to 2013 when he passed on. And so he created, was president of the Croatian Culture Society of Minnesota. And he was just so active and had a big Croatian picnic every year on the, on the great iron range of Minnesota. And so my dad taught me from a very early age, Asim Hervat and I was just so proud to be a Croatian. And my, my sisters did the cola dancing. And we had a uh, hundred events over my formative years at the Croatian Hall in South St. Paul, Minnesota, which is still there. But all the residents of South St. Paul use the Croatian Hall for, you know, so many of their own events. And uh, yet there still is a strong Croatian base and heritage uh, within those, uh, within that building, the Croatian Hall, uh, about uh, six miles from the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know that community, especially growing up, is important, you know, to feel that sense of Croatian identity. Uh, when did you start, you know, sort of becoming active within that community, sort of, you know, the pretext to starting the National Federation of Croatian Americans? Uh, well, good question, Stanko. And I went out to Washington, D.C. in the mid-70s to go to grad school at school in public and international affairs at George Washington. And I was working for a congressman. Uh, and then after a year of grad school, I, I fell into... Uh, a uh, wonderful public affairs job dealing with uh, uh, congressional legislation and uh, projects like that. And so I, I did not finish my grad school. Uh, but fast forward a bit, uh, I'm in Washington, D.C. in the late 80s and uh, was a, a founding board member of a group called the Croatian Democracy Project that was created in late 1988. So we started the work Washington, D.C., you know, before the war. There was like six of us with Max Primeratz and uh, Morris Dulcich and Tony Morgan and a few others. And so we were, we're, we were publishing newsletters and educational uh, white papers about the issues facing uh, Croatia and other countries in, in the communist sphere of Eastern Europe that were one by one, you know, trying to achieve their freedom. And so I'm living in Washington, D.C., and by, by this time I had slid into a business career uh, in the medical device world, and we're getting very involved, and we were just so proud that the Republic of Croatia was kind of moving towards independence, if you remember back in 1989 or 90, and it might have been Stanko before your, your heyday. Yes. Um, <laughs> and before you uh, came, to this, uh, came to this world. But 
you know, there was just freedom and democracy in the air. And sadly and unfortunately, the Republic of Croatia, you know, didn't have the peaceful path that, you know, the Czechs and the Slovaks experienced or embraced uh, around the same time. And so we all kind of know the story of how Slovenia led the way in 1991 with their uh, break for independence. And we even did a, a, a press conference at the National Press Club uh, when Croatia uh, kind of uh, announced their independence uh, in May of 1991. And uh, we all know the summer of 1991, the war uh started very seriously uh, in Croatia, and the Croatian forces uh, were facing the JNA, uh, you know, uh, I think the second most powerful military and army in, in Europe at that time, you know, with all the tanks and planes and, and weapons going against the Croatian people. Uh, so in 1991, we were still doing the Croatian Democracy Project, and we had the Croatian American Association based out of Chicago with a lot of folks from Cleveland and New York. And we started this Croatian Days on the Hill, which started in 1992. Um, we created the, the National Federation of Croatian Americans as a national umbrella group in 1993. And so we had 33 different Croatian American groups come to St. Louis in January of uh, actually 1993. And our group was kind of tasked with or asked to try and unite the Croatian-American community as much as possible and to, to serve as a voice, an advocate for Croatian-American priority issues in the nation's capital. Um, so for a few years and throughout the 90s, it was both, uh, we were only called the National Federation of Croatian-Americans back then, a 501c4 that could do as much lobbying, as much political lobbying as you wanted to do. Um, and we also had the Croatian American Association that we partnered with to a degree. So we just weren't able to be 100% on the same page and 100% united. Um, and so in the 1990s, we were lucky to have a lot of activists working through the National Federation of Croatian Americans. And our number one partner was the Croatian Fraternal Union out of Pittsburgh. And at the time, they had 100,000 members. And uh, the Croatian American Association brought a whole another layer and level of activism and participation from probably a lot more Croatian emigres that were living now in New York, Cleveland, uh, Chicago, uh, L.A. Uh, the NFCA, even from the very beginning, was a lot more of the first, second, third, fourth generation uh, Croatian Americans that, as I mentioned, like so many of us, were you know raised to be proud Croatians. And so the point I want to make, too, when we first started the National Federation of Croatian Americans, we were seriously focused on representing our community in Washington, D.C. with diplomats, with Congress, with the different think tank foreign policy groups that have endless seminars and symposiums and events. And I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, I'm uh, one of the last two standing that have been to 29 of our uh, NFCA CF Annual Assembly of Delegates. And the, the other is uh, Brother Ed Pezov, who's the national president of the Croatian Fraternal Union. And so the NFCA has just, you know, continued to uh, 
cultivate and work our relationship and our, our relationship with the U.S. State Department. I was uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, meeting with some high-level State Department officials last Thursday, uh, talking about electoral reform and talking about uh, certain reforms that needed to happen to ensure the Croats in Bosnia and Herzegovina were going to have legitimate representation and, and for their guaranteed rights from the Dayton Peace Accord to be honored in the upcoming elections. So um, I'm proud of the fact that the NFCA and now NFCA Culture Foundation, you know, over 29 years, we've had over 200 meetings with uh, the State Department and American diplomats. We've worked closely with every one of the American diplomats or every one of the American ambassadors gone to Zagreb except for one who just would not meet or interact with the diaspora. We've had over 25 meetings in the White House complex. I was just invited to a meeting in the White House on the day after Labor Day. I think it's September 6th. And, um, you know, we're just very uh, proud and pleased that we're able to just continue uh, ongoing dialogue with a lot of the decision makers in the nation's capital. And we have a uh, public affairs consultant, Joe Foley, who's worked with us for 22 years now. And we joke and we tell Joe Foley, the Irishman, you know, just give us three more years, Joe, and we'll make you an honorary Croatian and uh, send you to Croatia for a free trip. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, you guys are really doing a lot then as far as, you know, working with the government and other, you know, organizations. And as I understand it, that's not only Croatian, you know, internationally, but also domestically as far as Croatian Americans. Correct, Stanko. And, you know, I was just in Croatia and I had meeting with uh, the Republic of Croatia's foreign ministry. They're, they're, they're top officials that work with what's called the Western Balkans or Southeastern Europe. Uh, I met with the uh, American Chamber of Commerce, met with Maritza Hrvatska, I met with the acting U.S. Ambassador Mark Fleming to, you know, talk about avoidance of double taxation treaty and visa waiver protection. Um, and also about the LNG terminal and some other U.S.-Croatia alliance issues, including uh, the relationship within the NATO Euro-Atlantic framework. However, like I, I wanted to share, and we continue all our work on that diplomatic front, and we also are the number one group working with our Congressional Croatian Caucus with 25 congressional members. And uh, we try and have at least uh, a couple events a year now, as you know, the pandemic sadly curtailed uh, a lot of what could have been fun, productive events in Washington, D.C. the last few years. But we're starting to do events again, and we did a, a nice April 30-year anniversary celebration of the U.S. recognition of Croatia. And uh, there's been three major events at the Croatian Embassy in D.C. And we've probably done over 100 events uh, collaborating with Croatia's embassy in Washington, D.C. So we work very, very closely with whatever uh, ambassador, and I've worked very closely with Ambassador Pierre Shimonovich over the last four and a half years. But we, Stanko, we started to shift after Croatia got into NATO, and we worked on that for 10 years, and it was a very much a bipartisan uh, effort. You know, both Republicans and Democrats wanted Croatia and NATO. And so it took a lot of work, and we worked closely in the end with uh, a lot of key senators to 
uh, make sure Croatia had extension into NATO in that 2008, 2009 time frame. And, it, and it's just a huge accomplishment, a big feather in Croatia's cap. And I don't think Croatia is ever going to be uh, attacked or invaded by, uh, by one of their neighbors again uh, for a lot of uh, uh, reasons based and predicated on Croatia being uh, a NATO ally uh, there in southeastern Europe. So we've shifted a bit our, our focus to other really just kind of interesting cultural or interesting community projects that our different member groups uh, or some key activists say, you know, can we, can we donate art to your group and will you put it on the wall uh, in museums in Zagreb? And we started that program. We own 12 different paintings now, probably valued at about four or $500,000. We just gifted a, a painting that was worth $75,000, an Andre Medelich-Schiavone painting, Madonna and Child, and had a very nice gifting event at the MUO, the uh, Arts and Crafts Museum in uh, Zagreb uh, a couple of weeks ago. So under the culture umbrella, we've done f five or six major film events from Philly to Pittsburgh to New York to Washington, D.C. Uh, we're very uh, proud. We're, we're collaborating with some folks on a couple of Catholic church restorations from VAR to Korchula. You know, we do a lot of fun and we're just starting again, Croatian wine tastings. Uh, it's not good. We have a, a 40 under 40 program where uh, twice in the last five years, we've selected and saluted like 40 rising stars in our Croatian American community, you know, under the age of 40. And you may know a few that were from LA, you know, like uh, Annie Bosco uh, or Johnny uh, Svetkovic. And, and mm -hmm. so we, uh, Nick Begich, uh, one of our 40 under 40 uh, winners, uh, is running for Congress in Alaska. And it looks like he came up a little bit short. Looks like he's going to take third in the primary uh, to elect a congressman in a special election to replace the congressman, Don Young, who actually replaced his grandfather, Nick Begich. So uh, 40 under 40 was a, is a fun program. You mentioned our Sports Hall of Fame program, and we've got a big first inaugural induction dinner uh, in Cleveland, October 16th, to salute folks like Roger Maris and Fred Couples and Mickey Lolich and George Mikan and Kevin McHale and, and uh, four or five others. We're... Uh, also very proud. I'll just finish on that. But we, we really do have a lot of uh, fun, uh, productive uh, new initiatives that our, our members just ask us to embrace. And we are uh, the number one organizational group sponsor of Special Olympics. I was just in, in Croatia and we had uh, our seventh annual uh, kind of uh, Special Olympics floorball tournament. And we're uh, raising some serious funds to pretty much take care of all their costs to go to Berlin next summer for the uh, World Summer Games from the Special Olympics where 125 countries will be represented in the June 10th, the June 15th uh, time frame. So, uh, Stock, we're very proud that even during the pandemic, we kept, uh, we kept a lot of initiatives going. We had 10 major uh, webinars or Zooms that attracted anywhere from 50 to 140 uh, 
40 participants. And our Dayton Peace Accord, 25th anniversary webinar, we had 129 participants from, you know, 15 countries that came to listen and heard, you know, Madden President Kalina grabar Katarovic speak, uh, Peter Galbraith, the first American ambassador to Croatia, Mate Granic, who was involved in the negotiations for the Dayton Peace Accord. So, you know, we had to embrace you know, webinars and Zooms during the pandemic. And as we all know, is one of the, the few silver linings that kept people connected. And I Zoom with, with Croatian diplomats and officials from Sarajevo to Mostar to Zagreb to Brussels to London to New York on different sensitive matters that deal with very serious issues. And it's great when you can put seven or eight of us on a on a Zoom to be talking to each other and communicating. And, and so the dialogue continues even, you know, even during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely helps. I mean, that is, like you said, one of the silver linings, I guess, of the whole situation, easier to you know be connected across the world. Uh, Steve, you, you went over, I mean, a lot of topics. I didn't realize you guys actually had that many different initiatives, not only political, but cultural as well. Um, I want to go into a little bit more detail about a couple of them. Um, first, you know, let's start, if we can, with the Croatian-American Sports Hall of Fame. You know, that's a, a big interest to me. You know, I love sports. I love playing sports. Um, wh when did that start exactly? And how did that come about? And, you know, where's that at now? Well, Vedran Joseph Nazar, who was born in Croatia, has been over here in the U.S. for good 50-plus years, uh, is a real sports enthusiast. And, you know, for over... Uh, the last eight to 10 years kept telling me and sharing with me, Stanko, that, hey, you know, we really need a Croatian American Sports Hall of Fame that will honor and salute and show tribute to all these incredible, amazing Croatian American athletes. And we are including Croatians from Canada since so many of them created their fame, you know, playing in the National Hockey League or Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. and uh and such so we uh went public last november saying we're gonna have our first induction uh class in the fall of uh 2022 so send in your nominations so we advertised through the nfcacf our uh, mailchimp through our website and through the croatian fraternal union Zajnachar, a uh, newspaper that is mailed twice a month to 50,000 uh, homes, Croatian-American homes in the U.S. And Staka, we, we received 44 different nominations. Wow. And if you look at, and we, uh, we had a Hall of Fame selection committee of five individuals, Vedra Nazar, myself, with Derek Hone, who's the sports director at the Croatian Paternal Union, and Tom Steech and Jimmy the Croatian Kresnik from Omaha that, you know, uh, agreed to take a look at those 44 nominations. And we decided to uh, cut it down to the top 20, which was tough. It's amazing. Uh, a few of the athletes and coaches that didn't make the top 20. And I, I have a file here with 100 different Croatian Americans who are beyond worthy and deserving to be in a Croatian American Sports Hall of Fame. So we created a uh, Croatian American dash Sports Hall of Fame. And we added five more members to create 
a selection committee. We added Jerome Jerenovich. Uh, used to work out in L.A. years ago in the, the 90s. He worked with CNN and Fox News and for 15 years with the Atlanta Braves and Atlanta Hawks sports networks. Uh, and he just retired. We added uh, Pete Rodovich from CBS Sports in New York City, uh, who's won 40, uh, 40 Emmys for his CBS TV work. And we added Al Saracevich, uh, a sports writer from San Francisco, and uh, Dino Matisic and Ken Kursilovich, who both have been involved in college sports and, and both have been involved in three different sports hall of fames. And so our 10-member selection committee came up with our, uh, you know, our 10 winners, and uh, they were formally announced in Baltimore at our annual convention, and we'll be saluting those 10, and only four of them are still alive, uh, Fred Couples, whose mother is Croatian, his Italian name was Coppola, uh, Mickey Lolich is in his mid-80s and still alive out in Portland, and we've got Kevin McHale and also Joe Sockich, the hockey player. We're still alive. The other six winners uh, have passed on, and again, we're all superstars within their their field. Like I mentioned, Roger Maris and George Mikan and Kevin McHale, Joe Steidahar, one of the first inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, and uh, Helen Serlinkovich, uh, one of the best women swimmers and divers in the world in the late 30s and 40s, and and so. Uh, it looks like we'll have representation from seven or eight of the families. But so we're starting a process, Donko, where it ended up you needed six votes out of the ten to be a winner in this first induction class. And so we ended up with ten, ten of our first twenty that uh, got six votes or more to make it into this uh, maiden inaugural class. And again, uh, later next fall, we'll start the process again to um, have the next class picked, which may not be announced until 2024, so it won't be exactly every every 12 months, but we've got some great names, and uh, we did make a rule. We weren't going to, Stanko, put in active coaches like Bill Belichick or Nick Saban, and so we, we don't want to make them uh, like active to be voted until they've retired. And of course, once they're retired, uh, there's a lot more of a chance that they'll attend one of our Croatian American Sports Hall of Fame dinners. And uh, we really agonized over, uh, and uh, we came close to choosing and selecting Stipe Miosic, uh, UFC World Heavyweight Champion. But it looks like he's coming back uh, to, to fight one more time or again. And so uh, he was kind of moved back into the active stage. And uh, it would have been wonderful to have Stipe inducted at our first induction ceremony in his home city of Cleveland. Uh, but it looks like uh, he may have one more fight coming up within a few months or or uh, by early next year. Well, I certainly hopeful, hope so. You know, I'm rooting for him hard. And you know, I, was, I was sad to see, you know, have, have to have such a long break with all the politics of, you know, the UFC, you know, of course, but I know he wanted to have a break with his, be with his family and do a little bit of the, um, you know, his firefighting career, but yeah, he's a great athlete and I love to watch him. I do hope to see him, you know, at least one more time back in the octagon. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of great Croatian athletes, Croatian coaches. Now is this, is it, um, a physical location, the hall of fame? Are you going to have, you know, plaques and memorabilia? Yes, um, 
we are going to ask every family uh, to contribute or share some memorabilia. And we actually do have an offer from the Croatian Hall in Eastlake, where we're hosting the first banquet. Um, they do have a, a room, like a large classroom, that we could and can utilize for our Croatian American Sports Hall of Fame. So we're looking at that. Uh, we also could uh, have or be provided with some space at the Croatian Fraternal Union headquarters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, and that facility is beautiful. It's already a living museum with a library and six or eight rooms that have so much Croatian culture and art uh, already uh, on exhibit. The Croatian Fraternal Hall or Croatian Fraternal Union in Pittsburgh is a four-story building. So it's a beautiful facility and uh, 30 employees work there at our Croatian Fraternal Union National Headquarters. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty big. Um, I'm definitely, I'm excited for that. I hope you guys are able to, you know, film, record some of the event. You know, I'm especially interested in hearing some of the speeches of, you know, the people as well as the family members who are there. Um, you know, things of that nature. I think that would be really interesting. I don't know how much you guys have planned and, you know, how much it will be sort of an online attending event, if any, but, you know, that would definitely be interesting for a lot of people, I know. Well, you, you raise a good point, Stockholm. We really uh, should, and uh, one of our members already suggested on our Cleveland banquet call uh, 10 days ago uh, about, hey, why don't we live stream, you know, some of it? And uh, we're looking at doing a pretty high-powered, exciting five-minute video that would uh, take a look at these 10 uh, extraordinary uh, Croatian-American athletes that will be part of that first induction class. Hmm. Oh, very cool. Then I'm looking forward to that if I'm not able, you know, of course, to make it if I'm still here in Croatia. Um, I want to ask about another initiative. You also mentioned um, the Croatian Special Olympics. So when did you start specifically working with that? And how long has the NFCA been a part of that? Uh, well, great question. I was at a, a, an event, a global sports event called Beyond Sports, which is a global group that works with nonprofit sports organizations that work with kids or at-risk adults, uh, but just a lot of really incredible organizations that provide sports to uh, mostly at-risk and uh, underprivileged uh, children and young adults from all over the world. And on 9-11, 2013, I, I, I take a service day. My colleague was sadly one of those who died on 9-11, uh, Tom Burnett. He was one of the ones in first class who, with Mark Burnett, the rugby player, you know, stormed the cockpit and uh, got into the cockpit and the plane crashed. Uh, in Pennsylvania, not too far from Pittsburgh. So on 9-11, I, I went to this Beyond Sports global meeting. It just happened to be in Philadelphia where I live. And I was at the meeting for about one hour, and I turn around, and there's Tim Shriver, uh, brother to Maria Shriver out you know, from the L.A. area where some of you grew up, and brother to a friend of mine, Mark Shriver, who used to be my local state representative in Maryland where I lived, and I was his honorary campaign chairman back in the early 1990s for his first campaign. And so I was talking to Tim just for a couple minutes, Tim Shriver, who's the CEO of Special Olympics, you know, globally. 
And he says, Steve, aren't you Croatian? And I go, yes, how do you know? He goes, well, I knew Mark had one Croatian friend. And I said, yes. And I said, oh, why do you ask? And he said, we need help. The Croatian Special Olympics Organization, they have a real issue problem raising money. They do great things. But, you know, Stanko, a lot of the countries of the former Eastern European uh, behind the Iron Curtain, which Croatia really wasn't under Yugoslavia, but a lot of the former communist countries, um, you know, since 1989 and after, um, you know, haven't had a history to build philanthropy and, you know, understand charity. And there's not as much extra money like many of us Croatian Americans have here in the USA. So Tim just said, we need help in Croatia. Can I connect you to the executive director, Franjo Horvat? I said, sure, let's, let's do it. Please do. So I sent an email to Franjo Horvat, the director in Special Olympics, and said, Steve, great, we need help. We don't have any equipment. We don't have any ways and means to have an indoor sport in the winter. You know, we're fine in the spring and summer with swimming and soccer and many other sports. And so we were asked to make a donation uh, for, so they could play indoor floorball, floorball hockey. So uh, first my family, through my dad's, a little bit of his estate, because he had just died six months before, um, asked us to write out a check so they could buy the, the floorball sticks and the, the goals and the, the boards that go around. And, you know, so we ended up making sure they got a $10,000 donation the, the, the first year. And uh, since then, we've raised another 60000 plus, which may not be a whole lot of money, but whether we send five or 10000 in a year, and we sent 25000 Stanko when they came to Los Angeles in 2015 for the World Summer Games. And that, you know, paid for about 40% of their expenses for their 30-person delegation that came to Los Angeles. And the good folks at uh, San Pedro Croatian Club, uh, Nico and Peter Osdovats and others, rolled out the red carpet and, and St. Anthony's Croatian Catholic Church uh, had a special uh, brunch and mass for the delegation of Croatian Special Olympics. And uh, even gave them like $200 gift card and they went to Santa Monica and had fun. But um, so we started it uh, in 2013 and really, uh, really contributed big time in 2015. And we have one fundraiser a year to uh, raise, uh, you know, some nice funds for the uh, Special Olympics organization. My good friend and NFCA member, Joe Bravich, a lawyer in L.A., uh, is organizing uh, a fundraiser that will be at St. Anthony's Catholic Church. It looks like November 5th. That will be earmarked just for uh, Special Olympics in Croatia. And uh, our goal is to raise every penny that they need, uh, you know, for the 2023 trip for 20-plus to go to Berlin. And so uh, we're looking to to raise $30,000 this October, November um, to help them uh, get to Berlin in a first-class fashion. And it, it's just, it really warms your heart when you're there with these Special Olympians. And uh, July 23rd, we had that seventh annual floorball tournament. And there was a, the team from Vukovar who came to Ghost Pitch uh, back in 2019 for the first time. And to see their smiles and to just see how happy they are to uh, 
to be able to perform and and uh, be competitive in an athletic uh, uh, environment is just really wonderful. And uh, so it's very gratifying. And, uh, and our NFCACF is just very, very proud to continue our serious relationship and, and to raise uh, uh, some serious dollars to support this uh, incredible organization in the Republic of Croatia. Yeah, well, that's a really cool initiative you guys are a part of. And I'm sure it was, it was rewarding, you know, to see all the athletes, if, you know, for the people who were able to go to L.A. when they came there and see them. Um, it, I, I forget if you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but were you able to see them in Croatia in this most recent trip? Well, uh, there's over 2,000 Special Olympians within the Croatian organization. But no, we didn't have any of the famous... Croatian soccer players or anyone we haven't uh, found one maybe to get more involved uh, uh, I was I was happy this last trip to Croatia uh, Stanko I had uh, a couple NFCACF board members that were in Croatia at the same time and Ron Zivic and Sonia Newman who is originally from Osiak came over and were part of the ceremony and activities and uh, and such. So uh, it's it's great that our board of directors is so committed to our ongoing relationship with Special Olympics. And we are involved, and we partnered with the Croatian Fraternal Union and Association of Croatian American Professionals with earthquake relief. Uh, we just through our organization raised twenty two thousand dollars just to help the MUO. Arts and Crafts Museum with some special needs they had after the earthquake relief and over 20000 for the Archaeology Museum in Zagreb, separate from us collaborating with the bigger efforts. And the Association of Croatian American Professionals is one of our member groups, and we partner with them on uh, quite a few different uh, initiatives. Um, but thanks for asking about Special Olympics. Uh, it's really near and dear to my heart and our group. And 2019, we were in Ghost Pitch, where my relatives come from. And uh, they had a team from Split come, Stanko. They had, they had just created the Special Olympics organization in Split, have a lot of Special Olympians, but they, they needed some you know, adults to be coaches and managers and finally found a few. So a team came from Split to Ghost Pitch. They had only gotten their floorball sticks two weeks before the tournament. We had eight teams, and Vukovar came down and uh, the team from Split besides uh, six from the Zagreb area. And the athletes from Split were just so happy to be there. And they lost their first game 6 nothing. the second one 4 to nothing. In their third game, they played well. And uh, one of their athletes, a 22-year-old woman, she scored a goal. Now, they lost 2-1, to one, Stanko. But you would have thought they had just won the gold medal. Hmm. And that's the beauty of Special Olympics. So when we went to lunch, which we always do after the two, three-hour tournament, uh, that team from Split, especially the young woman who scored, they had a smile on their face for 90 minutes at lunch. <laughs> and that's what Eunice Kennedy Shriver figured out, you know, 60 years ago. Uh, they had a daughter, Rosemary, with special needs, who was intellectually disabled. But when she played sports... She was just another kid or young adult or, you know, child that loved the competition. And so uh, 
again, we're just real happy to partner with Croatia Special Olympics, and uh, we're going to be doing it every year and uh, such. And again, I, I appreciate all your questions about our group. We do a lot of really fun, productive projects, and uh, and if any of our listeners want to, you know, hear more, see more about the National Federation of Croatian Americans Cultural Foundation, you can go to our website, www.nfcacf.org. And uh, of course, we're always happy and honored if anybody wants to join as a member and annual dues are like $50. We've got 10 different committees that people can take a look at and consider joining to help with some of our initiatives. Well, yeah, you brought up a point, you know, I wanted to ask you about, uh, is there any way for people to get involved with you guys? Do you have some sort of uh, newsletter you guys send out? Um, you know, you mentioned the MailChimp, that's an email list you can subscribe to or? Yes. And so uh, our MailChimp goes out eight, ten times a year. So it's it's almost like a monthly newsletter. And we'll be sending one out uh, either August 30th or 31st. And so... Uh, we're more than glad to add anyone who wants to be on our NFCACF MailChimp uh, newsletter list. And uh, anyone who wants to get active or involved with the NFCACF can go to our website and uh, click on uh, getting involved, and it will show my email and a few others. Uh, but I'm Steve Rukavina, and... Uh, this is my 11th term as president of the National Federation, and I uh, have been an officer uh, for all 29 years. So, And I'm just retired from my medical sales device business world, and so uh, having a lot more fun with so many, so many different Croatian in initiatives and projects. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to quickly here, as we're you know, running low on time, touch on two more points, Steve that you brought up earlier, how you were here in Croatia, you were in Dubrovnik, um, and you were going to a lot of conferences, I know that, and as well as, you know, you're attending, I know, on Zoom, and as well as in the U.S., a lot of conferences as well, all throughout the year. But two of the ones I wanted to quickly touch on were the double taxation with Croatian and American citizenship, as well as um, those conferences you attended for Croats in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, well, thanks for asking, Stanko, and we also had a session just on the avoidance of double taxation treaty topic in New York City on uh, June 17th and 18th at the Association of Croatian American Professionals. And as I shared with you before, it was wonderful to be back live in person <laughs> in New York City at the New York Athletic Club where they actually give out the Heisman Trophy. And we had over 330 Croatians, 85% uh, from the USA, but we had about 40 Croatians from the Republic of Croatia that came to New York City. All these incredibly successful entrepreneurs. Uh, we have Mate Rematch up on the big screen. Um, so we just allowed uh, a few of our speakers to, to participate on the big screen and not in person. But wonderful conference. And again, a very important project to get avoidance double taxation treaty signed. So it's the, the last very important bilateral treaty that Croatia still needs to sign uh, with the uh, with the U.S. Uh, I'm pleased to to report that we're really uh, in the end game 
with that treaty and it's just going to the translators. So the final document will be in its final form. Uh, it sounds like within the next three to four weeks. It's very exciting that this treaty could be signed uh, in late October or November, probably in Washington, D.C., and it would be the U.S. Treasury Department signing this treaty with the Minister of Finance from Croatia. And if we're lucky, uh, and we're hoping that there will be a, a very notable event maybe held at the State Department uh, to honor this uh, new treaty. That will, you know, uh, help energize a few more American companies to invest in Croatia. It'll make it a lot easier, too, for Croatian companies to export to the U.S., and they don't, now don't have to go to Budapest or Vienna or Ljubljana or Brussels or to have another subsidiary or another company they work with to uh, export their products. Uh, more Croatian-Americans could retire in Croatia after that treaty signed and not have to pay double taxations on both sides of the Atlantic. So, um, so that's very exciting. But I must say, though, after the U.S. government and the Treasury Department signs the treaty, we still have to get it through the U.S. Senate. And there has been one U.S. Senator from Kentucky who consistently tries to hold up these treaties. And he held up bilateral double taxation treaties for four years up until 2019. So uh, the hope is, whether it's the Democrats, Republicans in power next January, February, that we will be able to get the U.S. Senate to approve the signed treaty between the U.S. and Croatia. And uh, it's going to benefit Croatia uh, in so many ways. So that's that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here's the hoping that that gets pushed through. And, uh, and I can't go into too many details, but uh, our work to support uh, efforts to uh, reestablish certain guarantees for the Croatian community in Bosnia and Herzegovina continue. Uh, we're hoping the high rep will announce some electoral reform policies that will protect, for example, Croatian seats guaranteed in the House of Peoples. Um, if certain electoral reforms aren't implemented, uh, there are a few Bosniak parties that are trying to use demographic opportunism and electoral engineering, which you could also call rigging the elections, to steal Croatian seats in the House of Peoples. If they steal six more, if they create a supermajority within the Federation government, the Croatians become a minority. And Dayton Peace Accord, for all practical purposes, is gone with the wind and out the window. And so uh, the U.S. and the U.K. have been very supportive of asking the high rep and other EU countries to make a few electoral reform policy changes. And it shouldn't have taken this long. They shouldn't have been dragging their feet. And I mean, the election is October 2nd. And so uh, the clock is ticking. There's a lot at stake. And uh, we continue our efforts. I hope to be uh, meeting with the National Security Council in the U.S. Uh, in September, talking about this this specific issue too, and again stressing the significance of you know protecting and upholding the rights, the legitimate rights for the election of Croats to, most importantly in this situation, the House of Peoples, um, to ensure. The Croatians, uh, as a constituent people and their collective rights, are protected and honored as the U.S. 
guaranteed back in 1995, you know, through the Dayton Peace Accord. So there's a lot at stake. And uh, we've been working with uh, a number of Croatian officials and diplomats globally to just figure out different ways to work together and uh, get the word out about the need for electoral reform to, to benefit the Croatians as has been guaranteed them in the past through the Washington Agreement and the Dayton Peace Accord. But thanks for asking, Stanko. Well, yeah, Steve. And I want to thank you here as we're coming down to the end, you know, for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. I know you're going on vacation soon, so I'm sure you've got things to do with that. But I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast. I mean, I was I was really surprised to hear about all these different initiatives. You know, I had prepared for a couple, but I didn't realize really the scope of what you guys do at the um, NFCA. So it's for me, it's really cool to hear, you know, all the different aspects of what you guys are doing with the Croatian American Sports Hall of Fame, with all the conferences and, you know, meetings, the Special Olympics, all the different cultural and political, um, you know, events you're putting on and, and working with. I mean, it is really cool to see the to see the Croatian American community get involved, not only for Croatian Americans, but for Croatians, you know, around the world. Right. Well, <laughs> thanks, Doc. I didn't mention, you know, July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, we had... 600 Croatian Americans in Baltimore for the Croatian Fraternal Union Junior Tam Fest. There were over 200 young Croatian Americans, mostly third, fourth generation, you know, performing uh, their tambura music and uh, showing off their cola dancing skills. And so we had our NFCA annual meeting as part of this Junior Tamburits and Music Fest. And it was great to be, again, gathering in person and at night. We had uh, adult tambora bands playing till one in the morning. And so it was a lot of fun, you know, back uh, together in person uh, after a couple of years where the pandemic sadly uh, sidetracked and uh, really didn't allow those big events to happen. And so we're back uh, having some fun and uh, meeting in person. So uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit back to normal in a lot of ways this year. Well, it's great to see, you know, even the third and fourth generation Croatians getting involved in those cultural events. Um, Steve, I'll drop links to, um, I'll have you send me links. I'll drop here so people listening can click and sign up for the MailChimp for the newsletter, um, get involved, become a member, you know, see really how they can get involved or just see more information about the NFCA and what you guys do. But uh, Steve, you know, thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time and, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Stanko, thanks so much. It's been an honor and pleasure to talk with you and share a few details about our organization. That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again, and vidimo se!